welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. We are back here on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, Barton National Signing Day in the rear view. I would say that you get a chance to breathe with those 2019 offers are already going out. Recruiting, it's, 20, it's it, 12 months a year type stuff. How you doing, man? I'm great, Chip. I, we, I actually am I'm feeling a little behind the eight ball. I gotta, I've, I've, our 2020 Top 247 is is not released yet is and, it due uh, like right now <laughs> it, it needs to get out yeah it's 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 2020 season already uh, but I'm, I'm i'm glad 2018 is in the books usually by the end of the process you're like kind of sick of following and the, these same guys uh it was a little less um redundant this year because a lot of them kind of again kind of closed up shop in december uh so, so we just sort of zeroed in on the few five stars and, and all American types left, but it was a, uh, it was a good run, man. It was uh s- signing day is not dead. I'll say that. Yeah. Like there's, there's no, everyone that acted like an early signing career is going to crush the, the second one. Uh, we had our biggest traffic day, uh, I think ever at 24 seven sports, or at least our biggest traffic day on signing day. Uh, and so we're, uh, there, there, there's no lack of interest with the five stars. The uh, I want to I want to throw something at you. And again, uh, if if you are uh, if you've clicked this, you understand that uh, our big conversation point is going to be trajectory. We're talking, you know, we've got National Signing Day in the books. We've got so rosters starting to be uh, reshuffled and reset. Uh, a lot of indicators that will have us either buying or selling. Uh, on certain teams as we look forward in the next sort of three five year windows. Uh, but I, I wanted to pitch this at you. So as we are, uh, you know, looking at early signing day versus the, or the, I guess the December early signing period versus national signing day. Um, I, the one thing that's sort of was, uh, becoming apparent to me. And I want to know if you think that this is a trend that will continue is that the, some of it's position based. Um, I felt like a lot of the top players that we were tuning in for their announcements, uh, it, it was things that almost uh, made it was it was a common sense like wide receivers, cornerbacks. Um, you know, like we were dealing more with the skill position players than we were necessarily with uh, a whole bunch of off you know top offensive linemen. Is that something that you think will continue, or do you think that that'll be a class by class situation? A little bit class by class. Uh, skill positions will always be a little sexier and always going to. You generate a little more buzz, and and also I think those guys are a little more likely to they're they're, they're more dramatic. I was going to say, general. isn't it something about the <laughs> isn't it something about the mentality of a cornerback or a wide receiver to want to hold out and make them work a little bit harder for your commitment? Of course, man. Yes. Yeah, the, the top four corners in the country were uncommitted, and, <laughs> yes. and that's what like eighty percent of of the top two four seven was was signed, and the top four corners were uncommitted. So that's. What would you expect out of a uh, out of a cornerback? I must be disappointed if they're all like shutting it down early and just calling the coach and 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 you know committing quietly. No, you got to make a show of it if you're a cornerback. So yes, that was uh, that was the case, um, and I think that'll always be a little bit the case. What's you know 
the the one position that I think is I'll be interested if we ever see a um, five star type of quarterback wait till the second signing period because uh, those are the guys now. I mean, they're already in 2019, and most of those quarterbacks are already committed. Like it's just the way that the way that the thing goes these days is you get that quarterback locked up, and that's your that's the extension of your coaching staff, and uh, and, and now we'll go to work, and 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 so uh, you know after the early signing period, one of the interesting things from the early signing period was like usually uh, once you get to January, if you need a quarterback, you know, you can try to chase the couple uncommitted guys out there, but really more, more than that, you're really trying to flip the, the committed guys. Um, and, and this year there was like three decent uncommitted quarterbacks in the, in the country. And, and even those guys weren't elite players. I'm talking about decent, like oh, serviceable. Oh, and one of them's even going on his Mormon mission for two years. Oh, I wouldn't even include him. Yeah. So that, I mean, basically there's four and yeah. one of them was going on a Mormon mission for two years. So uh, it was sort of funny watching Alabama and Texas A&M and Florida State and all these other scrap over uh, a kid that was probably going to go to, you know, maybe Boise State at best before all that. Uh, and and also a kid in Brevin White who chose to go to Princeton instead of uh, instead of Alabama. So it was uh, if you're a good quarterback and you're not happy with your options in December of, of 2018, uh, hold off, brother, because you will have other options, I promise you. Uh, anything else stand out or linger in your mind uh, as we as we sort of put uh, National Signing Day to bed here on the podcast side? Um, you were a part of a – you got to talk to a lot of coaches on National Signing Day. Um, you know, I, I know that you've told me before that, that you're so into it that sometimes by National Signing Day you just – you're just trying to put the pieces in the puzzle and just put, put frame that sucker and get it out of here. You know, what's anything surprise you or uh, anything still stand out? Well, I, I mean, look, Georgia's finish in December. I've said this is sort of my line I've been using in a lot of places, but Georgia's finish in December in the early signing period was perfect. Like they they won all the battles they had to win. They even won a couple of people didn't realize they were in the mix for. It was it was a statement shot across the bow finish in December well then you get to January and and the February signing period and there's only they really had three maybe four spots left in their class so what's the perfect finish they can come up for those three or four spots they hit it like they hit the perfect finish again it's it's I mean Kirby Smart is I'll give you know this maybe a little little spoiler alert for some of my uh my buy stocks but man Georgia is they are. Uh, I mean, this is this is this is real. Like, this is not this is not some like oh they got some momentum on the recruiting trail this year and they uh, you know they hit it perfectly. You know, this is an old Miss in 2013. Like, this is real. Um, and uh, I was very impressed with the way the Bulldogs closed. Okay, well let's hey let's jump right in right there because uh, I did not have Georgia in my portfolio. Because I think the price is too high. I just right. I, I think that we're talking about uh, a Georgia program. Like if if you haven't jumped in now, it's too late. Because this was a team that just played for the national championship. They just have been killing it on the recruiting trail. And I kind of feel like uh, when you're looking at the Bulldogs, like that, like I did, like I wasn't going to put Alabama. I wasn't going to put Ohio State uh, in in this buy sell thing because I I just don't think there's much debate to it. Like I I think that they are the class of college football, and I'm with you, man. Like this is not Ole Miss. This is not going to be a flash in the pan. Um, 
when you look at the staff, when you look at what they're doing on the recruiting trail, when you look at uh, something that you've pointed out here, just the the general demographics of where the best college or where the best high school football players in the country are coming from, like there is absolutely a reason to believe that Georgia, like like Georgia, it's so funny because uh, it seems like Georgia has, and I hope I don't rub anyone the wrong way with this one, but it's like Georgia has finally become what I've always thought the fan base has imagined its football program to be. Right. I agree. I agree. Um, and I agree. I, I understand what you're saying on the stock price being high. So, and, and that's, you know, that's what we're doing. We're buying and selling stocks. And, and th- this is the comparison I make with Georgia. So like, I got a buddy who's, who's my stock guy, right? Like uh, he's, he's like this genius guy who's, who, uh, who's t- dialed into that world. And, uh, I remember like in 2010, it was like that range. I don't know exactly the date, but it was like that kind of range. And and I was trying to get a, a couple of, uh, you know, insider tips there. What, what should I be looking at? And he was like, he gave me a couple like obscure stocks that I had never heard of. And then he also was like in Google, by the way, like you, Google's like, I know it's like it's, you know, $300 a share or something, but uh, jump on and like, because like that's, there's still a lot of value in Google. You know, Google's now sell, like like trading at like a thousand dollars a share or something. That was like before yeah. they bought YouTube and and like have continued to just grow. Massive. Yeah, it really yeah. like it, that. It hadn't even really taken off to a certain like degree. And so um, that's what that's kind of the way I see Georgia right now. Like, yeah, you're getting Georgia at a really high price, but if if you look at what they're doing at the quarterback position. If, if you look at what they're doing from a recruiting standpoint, if you look at what they're doing from the offensive line standpoint. Ooh, love it. I mean, if and then you know Kirby Smart is going to get freaks on defense. They're, they're, they're beating Alabama on, like, defensive studs. Like, you, we all seen what Alabama lines up. And and they're, these are the guys Alabama wants, and Georgia's winning them. And as you mentioned, the state of Georgia, to me, like, if I have – if I can only pick one state, if I can pick – I want the top 20 guys – from this state and that'll be my roster that'll be my signing class then i'm it's it's really not a hesitation to me i'm picking the state of georgia like yes there's like the number 150 guy in the state of florida is better than the 150 guy in the state of georgia but i think the top 20 in georgia is better in california florida uh texas like i think those you know you got quarterback play is really strong right now you've got uh you've got really good raw elite talent, but it's also pretty well coached. It's not maxed out. So all these reasons. And then, uh, you know, and then obviously you look at what there's actually on the roster, uh, you know, true freshman quarterback returning, um, you know, I got, you got Deandre Swift coming, coming back in the backfield. You've got um, like three or three or four of the offensive starters and maybe like five of the seven in the rotation. Oh, the offensive line is, is loaded. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just, I, and I think Kirby Smart has just really got uh, got the state on lock. So I think that I think that Georgia is is going to become a regular national title contender. I think in a lot of ways this is going to make the job tough for the you know the Dan. I mean Dan Mullen's getting a tougher Florida gig than Jim McElwain got by uh, by a long shot because of this, because of Georgia. Um, Jeremy Pruitt's getting a tougher Tennessee gig than Butch Jones got. Uh, you know, so I think that this is there's there's going to be some some challenges there for the rest of the conference because Georgia 
just looks like a runaway freight train right now. So that that let's let's keep it right there because uh, I've th- this one's like a like right now at this moment and like I, w- I wish I could have done it maybe right at the end of the regular season. Uh, I'm I'm selling South Carolina. Interesting. Okay. All right. You know, I just I I kind of I see I see the way the market's moving. I see Dan Mullen arriving in the SEC East. I see that nine wins, and I'm like, man, I don't I don't know if this is sustainable. I think that nine wins South Carolina is about as high a price as you're gonna get given the way the next three years look in the SEC East. So I am I'm listen, like Jake like I, I there have been there have been praises sung of Jake Bentley on my part on this podcast and uh and I thought that they they exceeded expectations. Their Vegas over under win total heading into the year was at six. They finish at nine. I uh, yeah, I'm I'm thinking that now is a really good time to uh, to unload my South Carolina Gamecock stock. I don't know if I'm there with South Carolina because look, I I do think they've got to make sure that they've got a succession plan at quarterback. Uh, and I also don't know that Jake, like Jake Bentley got a lot of preseason hype last year that I'm not sure he lived up to. Um, so I'm not there yet in saying Jake Bentley is some like uh, sort of revolutionary kind of quarterback, but he is a good quarterback. And I think that it feels like Tennessee, it feels like they're inheriting a tough gig at Tennessee. Dan Mullen's got a, He's got a, an offensive system he's got to implement. Um, George is good, if, but we oh, I think we feel like Vanderbilt is, is sort of back to being just sort of you can count count that win if you're elite. Uh, I I'm more I'm more bullish on South Carolina than you are because I think here's here's and here's the reason I think that they really do evaluate at a high level with that staff. I think they get in. I think they are going to overachieve regularly. You, you think that rankings. they're like, they're going to overachieve regularly based on the talent that you see on the roster. I do. Yeah. I do. And I think they're going to, I think they've got a foundation. I think they got a little bit of a head start on Tennessee and Florida, maybe not Florida. Cause Florida didn't like, it's not like that Dan Mullen's inheriting some total disaster from a talent standpoint, but they got a little head start on Tennessee. Um, I think that. I think South Carolina's stock can can I think I think they still got a little upward mobility. I don't think it's gonna. This isn't one you're gonna get rich on. I don't think they're gonna go. Be, you know, they're not gonna be playing the national title games, and I don't think you're gonna be able to retire on your South Carolina stock. But I think you'll be able to get a couple, a few more dividend payments out of this one uh, over the next few years. I, I just and it's it's really about again having a quarterback in place and having a a, a, a recruiting plan that I've been impressed with and that I think is, 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 has the ability to overachieve expectations. Okay. Uh, are you, do you have Florida on your, uh, on, on your sheet? I, I'm not buying or selling Florida. I'm yeah. just sort of, I'm just holding, holding on Florida. Yeah. Yeah. I got, here's, here's my stock down in the sec though. Um, 
I'm I'm short in LSU. Style. Oh, triple sell. I wrote sell, sell, sell. <laughs> Absolutely triple sell LSU. Fire like whatever. Just unload it all. Absolutely unload all of the LSU stock that you have. We can revisit this sucker when it bottoms out. But man. Nah, zero, zero indications on the futures market that this is going to be profitable anytime in the next five years. <laughs> like I remember when, when, when Ed Orgeron got the head job, I, I made a, I think I even wrote this in a story or something like, like win-win, like no, no lose situation because here's what's going to happen. Worst case scenario they just keep on kind of being average. Maybe they maybe they they slip to like an eight and four level program, and the next coach that comes in inherits a loaded roster. Because what we know about Ed Orgeron is he's going to recruit and he's going to recruit at a high level. And here we are, and in the 2018 recruiting class, LSU put together its worst class at 15th in the country since 2002. Mm. And I know 15th in the country doesn't sound bad, and it's not. It's a good class. It's a class that most people would be really excited about. But I've seen this, I've seen this story before. Like when Oregon was recruiting at like top 10, top 11, like that sort of 12 to 9 range in the recruiting rankings under Chip Kelly – they were they were playing at a really high level, and, and when Mark Helfrich took over, the dip was the, the or dip happened. It wasn't dramatic. They went from like a top twelve class regularly to like a top eighteen nineteen class regularly, and that doesn't seem like a lot. But when you're bringing in three straight years of top nineteen classes behind three straight years of top twelve classes, that that's a real dip in in talent level and. So I think if, if LSU continues to dip a little bit from a talent perspective, uh, what what what's what is what do they have? What do they have to hang their hat on? I think uh, Dave Arant, they're paying their defensive coordinator two and a half million. Uh, you know they've got. I, I just think suddenly there's some, been some sort of staff turnover, and uh, and we still now now we don't have that like insane first round running back to lean on. Now they've got to lean on their wide receivers. That's been like their their, their company line. Like we're going to get the ball to our wide receivers. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> but when was the last time you were able to do that? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, man. I don't know. This is I'd be a little nervous if I'm holding a ton of LSU stock right now. Yeah, I, I've got it in my I've got it on my sheet as a triple sell. Can't can't <laughs> can't stand by. Uh, can't stand by. And like, uh, there's you know the 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 spirit and the atmosphere of LSU football is something that like and and maybe it's my you know maybe it's my age or just sort of like when my you know my my peak years of college football fandom have have mostly been uh times where LSU football has been really really good and there's just been loads of NFL talent coming in and out of there and the you know the atmosphere down in Death Valley is like one of the you know coolest in college football so it's it, you mentioned since 2002 like it's it's not it is an, a reality that I don't have a lot of reference for and I know that there's certainly pre Nick Saban were long stretches of where you know the L- older LSU fans can talk about how frustrating it was and man college football comes in cycles and I just think it's now now's about to be 
a uh, in the big picture of LSU football, I think that a a peak has come and gone. We're going to be sliding back here for a little bit. Uh, I'm with you, man. I've got that one as a triple sell. I've got all right. I've got another one in the SEC West, and I've got a about almost a handful on here. Uh, of stocks that I wanted to consult with my advisors and you are my advisor for these purposes. <laughs> All right. Well, you get, what do you get? What, what's your other SEC one? What, what, what are we feeling about Texas A&M? I, yeah, I had a feeling you might be going there. So this is, I've, I've, I wrestled with this one. I thought about it really hard and I don't, I don't know. Right, right. No, I think that's, that's very fair to, um, to have some concerns there. Here's where I am right now. And I'll say this. Look, uh, after the presser, I was a little down on it. I was, you know, the Jimbo Fisher hire felt like there was this sort of, oh, now we're going to compete for national titles. But that felt like a reach to have that expectation. So I was, I wasn't, I was sort of ready to start selling that stock. And I'm now circled back around to feeling like there's value there, and I'm I actually have it on a on a on my buy list. Um, here's why: I think a, I think Jimbo Fisher has has hired well. Um, he's he's put together. You know, it took time to get that staff squared away, but he's got it now, and it's it's a good staff of assistant coaches. There was also a period there where it looked like recruiting was going to be a struggle, but they really closed, closed well. strong. Ooh, Jimbo style. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Jimbo's a closer. Coffee's for closers. Uh, and then I think now as we look at moving forward, like 2019, A&M is, is killing it right now in 2019. They got a ton of momentum in, in the state of Texas in 2019. And, and I'm not – buying a stock based strictly on like the recruiting. But I do think that they've got like, they have good players in place on defense. Mike Elko comes in. They don't, it's still a, a four man front, still an even front defensively. They don't have to like change. They don't have to blow things up. Jimbo Fisher comes in. He does have a couple talented quarterbacks to work with. Nick Starkle is competent uh, and, and can be that bus driver you need. Uh, Kellen Mond has the upside if Jimbo Fisher can pull it out of him. Uh, they did get a, a kid in this class and James Foster, who I don't I don't love. I don't think he's like a a definite NFL guy, but I think he but he definitely has NFL potential. So I, if anyone can pull it out of him, it's Jimbo Fisher. So suddenly, I, I look and I feel like there's like plenty of reason that they can stabilize this thing. And Jimbo's the Jim, Jimbo's. If nothing else, Jimbo can stabilize a program. Uh, and so, I think as we look at Arkansas, as we look at LSU, as we look at Ole Miss, uh, there's there's opportunity there for them to to kind of kind of continue to climb the the ladder. And I think, sure, why not? Like, yeah, and that's I think that what else is happening in the SEC West kind of. Uh, pairs into my reason for optimism because uh, the a Jimbo Fisher coach Texas A and M team is not going to bottom out. Like there right. might there they're they're very well and like we saw like Florida State damn near bottom out this year and uh, and that was with him checked out for the whole last month of the season. Um, I I think that 
um, you know, you're you're looking at a situation where uh, with with the staff that he's put in place um, and the talent that is there, I kind of I kind of feel like base. You know, they said eight and four is not good enough uh, for Kevin Sumlin, and I I kind of feel like eight and four is a worst case scenario right now. And if that's your situation, and you just gotta close the margin uh, for a couple of games a season, and then all the like the the difference in the SEC West between eight wins and ten wins is very very small. That those margins are are very small. It's right. very hard to overcome them. But at the same time, you know, if you can, then all of a sudden it's a very different atmosphere around the program. Uh, you know, everything else could change really quickly. Uh, I'm I've, I'm gonna how about this? I'm just gonna say track it. I'm I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep tracking this one. See uh, see what happens. But I do like your your inclination to buy because when when Texas A and M had uh, you know we were talking about the our sort of read of the press conference. Um, we you know the early signing period was really really tough on Texas A and M um, to to see the narrative flip. Certainly, if you're a Texas A&M fan, is encouraging. But if you're someone who's trying to get a good read on it, uh, I think it's worth taking note moving forward. Yeah, yeah, no, and and um, it's again like I think when you look at because I, I think this is I think tr- recruiting trajectory is is really relevant, and I think when it's it's interesting to see how quickly was was the traction going to take hold in the state considering Jimbo Fisher comes from Florida considering he's bringing a staff that wasn't a, like when, when Matt rule came to Baylor, he hired a bunch of Texas high school coaches. When, when, you know, Tom Herman came to Texas, he kept his entire Houston staff. Like, so how quickly was that? Like I I needed to see it. I needed to see that there was, that this staff was going to be able to quickly take hold. And, and I've seen it. They are, and and they. I think that they're going to be very, very aggressive and and find some real success. All right. Uh, the what? Take take us anywhere that you want to go. What you got? Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to give you one to short here. Uh, I'm going to short USC. Whoa! I don't even have them on my sheet. Wow! <laughs> wow! This is. I think, again, this is a little weird to say this coming off of a national signing day where they were one of the stories of the day, um, jumped into the top five of the national rankings. Uh, but I think I think this, the price is remains a little high on USC. I think the price continues to be inflated because they're USC, because the rest of the Pac-12 South hasn't really um, – hasn't really given them much of a, a challenge. Uh, but now I think as you look at Chip Kelly coming to town, I I think, you know, as there's been some, you know, a, a couple coaches left the staff this year at USC. Um, they lost the running backs coach. They lost their, you know, Tyson Helton went to Tennessee. Um, you know, there may have been a couple others I'm, I'm thinking about. But, but I, I just think – Clay Helton, as much as he's liked and respected on in, uh, on that campus and in that program, and he is, I, I know that for a fact. But like, why? I know that last year's schedule was tough, and I know they had a lot of injuries. But like, I, I think that there's no excuse for them to not put together a better season last year. Uh, I think that they 
I, it's just like they feel like they continue to underachieve, I guess. Fair. No, and, and, 100, and we're 100% them, and we're, fair. And we're sort of giving them this benefit of the doubt yes. constantly. Yeah. And now I think they finally have a long-term challenge in the South with Chip Kelly because I – I'm fairly confident that Chip Kelly is going to have USC humming, UCLA, sorry, humming within the next three years. And, and that's how does that cut into to USC's market share? So I just – this is really a bet. On, it's almost like a, a, an indirect bet on UCLA that, that Clay Hilton is not going to be able to keep pace quite as well as, uh, you know, as, as the, you know, the tone that Chip Kelly sets. Um. U.S. in the college football playoff era, we have now had four college football playoffs. In the college football playoff era, USC consistently has had probably one of the five to seven most talented rosters in the country and still does not have a playoff appearance. Period. Yes. Like, and, they, and, and, and this, in the past two years, they've had a quarterback that is very very possibly going to be like the number one overall pick. Like, it, it's... When you got, I mean, what what's the excuse? Yeah, you know, well, offensive line like injuries. I mean, a lot of, a lot every, of teams every, have offensive line injuries. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good point. Like, well, people need to stop crying about offensive line injuries. If we're talking about winning national championships, everyone is down to their freshman offensive lineman. You just got to make sure he's ready to play. Yeah, I mean, there's been there's been freshman offensive linemen starting for every national champion in the past, like, well, at least two. But I mean, I, I remember. Uh, in tw- like last year, I think all four of the uh, playoff teams had a freshman offensive lineman starting. And this year, there there was absolutely two uh, true freshman offensive linemen starting head to head in, in Alabama, Georgia. So like, it's not like impossible to win without like some loaded deep offensive line group. And, and I, I just think, what what's the next excuse going to be for UCL USC? So. It's time for them to sort of put up or shut up, and and I think the 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 clock is ticking down on that with Chip Kelly sort of lurking in the shadows over there. You're gonna love this next one because I kind of feel like this is stock that you've been holding longer than anyone else, and I still feel like the market hasn't reacted. But after after seeing, uh, especially I, I was you know flipping through as of course as part of this, I was flipping through all the recruiting rankings. Uh, I still think there's a lot of good value to buy Washington. Yeah, I almost had them on on mine. I agree with that. That's uh, I just and and like I've also I was saying UCLA buy, and then I I said Utah buy really low. This feels like a great opportunity for Utah to just keep humming at nine and four. Just keep because like this year was the the year where everything went sideways for Utah, and they sustained it and still made a bowl game. You know. Like I don't, right. ex- I don't expect that to be a, a sign of trajectory, but I think that you might be able to get low price. And so, no, I'm, I'm sitting here, uh, you know, I'm sitting here with those, those plays, and I'm like, man, I, I didn't put USC sell, but if I'm, if I'm buying UCLA and Washington, then I, I do not have, uh, have high expectations for USC. So I'm, I think I'm, I'm right there with you. And, and to your point on, uh, on, on Washington too. So they've got. Like listen to this quarterback room they're building here. So they got Jake Browning this year, and I don't know if Jake Browning is planning on leaving. He's a is he a junior this year. He's a junior yeah, this year, right? Yeah. So I guess he he has the opportunity to leave for the NFL draft. I think he's probably not good enough to leave for the NFL draft. I think he's probably should stay for his senior season. 
Um, but it might you might have sort of a JT Barrett, Dwayne Haskins situation over there with if with then you got Jacob Eason uh, will he'll sit out this year. We'll be able to compete for the job the following year. Um, that's a first round talent. Whether he's a first round player or not, he's a first round talent. Then you this, this year's signing class. They signed two four-star quarterbacks. Um, one was an Army All-American. One, I, I think, was an Under Armour All-American. Uh, but they both were like they're both six-four, two-ten plus, uh, huge arms, like just dudes. And then you've actually got in the 2019 class, they've got a kid committed out of the state of Washington that I think is is probably a better just pure thrower than than all those guys, with the exception of maybe Jacob Beeson. So. You're loading up a quarterback room at Washington. You got Chris Peterson, who's one of the just best pure coaches out there. Uh, and they're just plugging along, recruiting. Again, they're in that sort of Oregon range that Chip Kelly brought Oregon to where they were just recruiting sort of these top 12 classes, but getting the guys that they liked. Uh, I think Washington is they're, – they're another team that's really building for the long haul here. Um, so I, I think that uh, – I think Washington is a, is a buy stock for sure. I'm, I'm with you there. Jake Browning will be a senior this year, so it'll be straight from Brown, okay, Browning to Easton. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So that's that. Uh, that makes a lot more sense. Um, and and like, I mean, doesn't it seem like every year defensively they're just like rock solid? Yes, yes, and they continue to recruit really well at that uh, side of the football. They're they're. Uh, yeah, they're always going to be good on defense. Um, they're just a – yeah, like that's like a, a, a buy and hold. Just yeah. never sell your Washington stock. Just hold on to it. And that's what I'm saying know, is I feel like you've had it since 2015 or since like 2016. <laughs> and right. uh, and you've just been holding on to it like, oh, yeah, another dividend payment. Thank you, Chris Peterson. Yeah, that's my Berkshire Hathaway where it's just like, <laughs> look, man, just don't yeah, – I'm just going to hang on to it. And whatever happens, whatever happens, happens to the rest of the market – you're going to keep getting your returns on Washington. Um, all right. So I've got another uh, consult with the advisor one. What's up? How are we feeling about Stanford right now? Stanford had the number one quarterback in the country that redshirted this past year. Uh, they had KJ Costello that they finally settled on late in the year that should continue to develop. They had their starting left tackle last year was a true freshman. Uh, who got injured halfway through the season um, and and didn't finish things out, but but was really good when he was in. Uh, Foster Sorrell is another true freshman who was the number two offensive tackle in the country. Walker Little, the other one that started, was the number three offensive tackle in the country. Like those guys will both be there. They're, I guess what my point is here, like they had they've had really good if though they've been small, they've had really good recruiting classes the past couple years. Those guys start to come of age here now. And I think the thing we've been missing is, uh, you know, what, what's what's going on at quarterback. Uh, now I think they they should be in a position where they can settle in at quarterback a little bit. Uh, and and again, I think you, you you can count on their defense. You can count on their offensive line. So uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not throwing my life savings at at Stanford, but I think that's a good uh, that's a good one to throw in your IRA portfolio. You know, like I think that they're going to give you some solid returns here in the next couple of years. Yeah. To your point, uh, th- 39 this year, but I mean, number 14, the year before number 16, the year before number 13, back in 2013, 2014. And they, were, and they were the number 14 class with 15 signees. 
Yeah, so, so it was just like all, that, they were all studs. Like that's a that's a if you project that out to a twenty five man class, you know, then that's a that's competing for the number one class in the country. Um, all right, so so maybe maybe there is some value. So then, maybe all right. So if we're if we're finding or if I'm thinking there's some value in Washington, and if I'm thinking that there's some value in um, in Stanford, then we got to find somewhere that there's oh sell in Washington sell, State. You got to sell, you sell a, a, a Pac-12 North stock. Yeah, it's Washington State. I've got it on here. I sold Washington State stock when uh, Mike Leach left for Tennessee for an hour. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. When Leach went overnight to go take what he thought was going to be the Tennessee job, I was like, oh, well, this has been a fun run. Bro. I mean, poor Mike Leach. Like, that's just brutal. Like, you leave for literally an hour and you're like, and, and, and hey, more power to you. I mean, you're going, you're going from Washington up in the Pacific Northwest, tucked away where no one sees you, and you're going to – Tennessee and the rugged SEC and like it's it, it's a the move makes sense I don't begrudge him the decision but basically like because they made that hire the AD got fired like they're like oh you're gonna hire Mike Leach uh nope come on back home buddy like <laughs> we've had enough of your shenanigans and now you have to go tail between your leg back to your your team and and what do you say to those guys like hey I, I just was fixing to leave and and because I, I, you know, it was a better, better gig. Uh, how do those guys buy in at this point? And plus, Alex the Grinch secret gone. Sauce has been Alex Grinch all along, and yeah. so now he's gone. Uh, so yes, yeah. yeah, I think I think you got to sell Washington State. Yeah, that was that was that was the one of the first Pac-12 stock decisions that I made when I sat down with this. <laughs> and I, I mean, it's like look, like, and th- like the other thing is just even in the you know, trajectory of the, the way that I I view these teams. And, and uh, I just, I think that this was the year for Washington state to peak and they did right. Like you don't expect a Washington state to contend for a PAC 12 title on a regular basis. But what you can hope if you're a Washington state fan is that uh, the right group of players comes together, a couple good classes and, and, you know, you kind of work your way up to contention and then there's going to be a step back and, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know when the next run up is going to be, but it kind of feels like that window uh, of a peak has, has already come and gone. I, yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, all right. I got, I got a, I got a group of five buy and a group of five sell for you. They're, they're sort of, they're, they're a little bit, uh, related in some sense. All right. Um, I'm going to buy. FIU, I'm going to sell FAU. Oh, this is getting some very good value uh, <laughs> if it works out on both on both accounts. Yeah, so all right, everyone, I FAU has been sort of the darling of college football. And I, and and spoiler alert, so we we're, we're we're putting this out on Wednesday. I've also got a story coming out today on FIU. I did talk to Bush Davis and maybe this is this is sort of um, influencing my my decision here. I appreciate because, your honesty. <laughs> so full disclosure, no insider trading, um, you know. But what's like the way I see it? FAU just had like a what a historic season, right? Yeah. Uh, and and it was it was this sort of rapid rise to the top, and um, and. Hey, it was it was impressive to watch, and, and they were fun to watch, and all that stuff. But 
how like how long does this Lane Kiffin just sort of flirtation with chaos go on, right? Like there, there's I, I get that Lane Kiffin is sort of in his element and he's doing what he doing doing it the way he wants to do it and all these sort of things, but um I don't think this I don't think this this has like longevity to it. I don't think the the approach he's taking has longevity. I also think when you look at you know how long is Chris Kiffin the defensive coordinator going to be there? I don't know, but if he but I think he's an important piece of that 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 success over there. Uh Kendall Bryles, who I I feel very comfortable saying was a big part of their success there as as the offensive coordinator is Gone. it left left for Houston. Um so is there a little drop off there? Uh, you know they've got a. I, I believe they're replacing a the quarterback this year. Yeah, um, I think they they lose a little drizzle, but they've still got Devin Singletary, the really good running back. Okay, so they got they still got the run game impact, but like I just think that they they kind of caught lightning this year, and um, you know I, I would think they'll still have a good season next year, um, but I just think. If we're talking long term here, there's there's going to be some diminishing returns here over the next few years, and that's uh, that's a part and partially a, a just sort of looking at Lane Kiffin's history and thinking there's going to be some sort of and and probably maybe we should maybe we should factor in the fact that like Lane Kiffin, how many more years is he even even going to be there, dude? Uh, l- listen, FAU stock might as well be the value of Bitcoin. I'm not touching it. Like, I just, I'm not buying in. I'm not selling. I will watch from the sidelines with my popcorn in hand because I don't have the stomach to deal with that kind of volatility. Well, but also think of it this way: like you're buying it out after a 10 win season, and what's what's the like what's realistically the the best case scenario for FAU? Like, are they just going to become is Lane Kiffin going to stay there, and FAU just becomes some group of five powerhouse where they're just every year, you know, bringing in 10 win seasons. I, I think if, if they get another 10 win season at best, they get two more. And then Kiffin, there's, I mean, there's no chance he is. He's, he's still there. No, he's out. Uh, so, and then what happens? Like, I, I don't know. So I just, so with that said, I'm going to buy a bunch of the FIU stock because there, that's a, that's a coach in Butch Davis who, look, he probably has aspirations to get a bigger, bigger gig. But he's he's sixty something. He's how, how many big gigs does he get? to really have a realistic opportunity for. He, there may be a realistic. There, this might be a, a situation where he just settles in and just has a, a nice little sort of moonlight to his career uh, in in uh, in, in uh, FAU and so FIU. So and, and in addition to that, they just went from three wins to eight wins, and no one is even paying attention. And that's the that's tied for the most wins in school history, and they did it in part by just like coaching those guys up. Butch Davis is for for you know he actually has a really solid sound track record. I mean the guy won, a, you know he took the Browns to the playoffs. You know he took Miami on probation to the number two team in the country and set it up for Larry Coker. Uh, he you know there was the. There were the issues that they faced off the field at North Carolina, but the, the, they were they were rolling on the field. So there, there's all kinds of reason that he actually has this thing set up for success. They they just recruited the number 66 recruiting class in the country, which is the best in program history and a better class than UCF and FAU. Like, 
I really think like that FIU is 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 in a position to really maintain this for an extended period of time. Let me pitch this at you. That could be uh, a Frank Solich esque type uh, situation. Great call. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah, we're like, what what has Ohio football been? Eight wins. You know, just like rock solid, steady, above five hundred in conference play eight wins and like Butch could maybe take them even further. Cause I think that conference USA probably is maybe a little bit more winnable than uh, the Mac. I don't know if, if, if I would back that up, but the way that conference USA membership has been changing so rapidly over the last like four years, I, I think that there's not as much uh, stability there in general, but like I, that, that same idea where, you know, Frank Solich, you know, t- was getting top 10 teams at Nebraska um, but you know, has, has sort of seemed like now in his seventies, he's like, nah, I'm just gonna, I'm a, I'm a coach out winning football, uh, here at Ohio. And, uh, I, I could see that happening with Butch Davis for sure. And, and, and also think about the fact that like Frank Solich is doing it at, at you know, in uh, what is it? Is it Athens, Ohio? Yeah. Uh, and, and Butch Davis is doing it in South Florida. Like there's, there's always going to be talent there. Like recruiting is never going to be a problem down there. And you got a guy that knows how to do it. So I, I, I actually think FIU is, you know, it was this year where like, if not for this crazy year where UCF was playing a national title game and and USF was was competing, you know, for a for a, a group of five play a, a bowl bid and, and all this stuff and and FAU had this huge cycle up and. And meanwhile, Florida State, there's all this nonsense going on there. And, and all, you know, there's all this stuff going on in the state. Miami was, was having a uh, – Jim McElwain uh, death threats. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Shark pictures and everything yeah. else. And then, like, FIU just – you look up, and at the end of the season, it's like, whoa, wait a minute. FAU won, FIU won eight games? Yeah. Jeez. So, you know, it, it, I think there's um, – it was a, it was a weird year that no one paid attention to this, but it, that's actually really of note. Um. Can can I take us to the Big Ten? I've got a lot of action in the Big Ten. Come on. Um, I don't know which one you want to hit first, but I mean, I'm 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 very interested in in, in knowing which direction you're you're thinking on uh, on I think the most intriguing team, which I'm sure you're on this on your list somewhere. What what's what's your Michigan? What's sell, your Michigan sell. take? Yeah, sell Michigan. You're you're selling. Yeah, and I'm also selling Michigan State. I, I, I really teetered on buying Michigan. Wow! Because I feel like everyone's selling Michigan. Yeah, right they now. are for sure. And so I feel like we just, you know, we just watched them win. What did they win? Eight games this year, and and there's all that now. The sudden there's like reports that like the, you know, Tim Drevno is like a problem on the staff, and like you know they've had all this staff turnover and and I've heard Pep Hamilton's not always cracked up to be and like there's just all this like chaos surrounding the Michigan program and and yet and and then they and, and, and to to add fuel to the fire they had a they didn't even finish inside the top 20 in the recruiting rankings this year in 2018 um and yet I circ- I kind of circle back and and I think because everyone's selling I feel like maybe there is value here in Michigan because look, let's go to the beginning of the year last year and and reevaluate what the expectations were for Michigan. I think everyone was saying, "Oh, this could be the year where Michigan 
surprises people and is ahead of schedule and and wins you know goes to the playoffs because they're just that talented but but like it but probably it won't happen well it didn't happen it just shouldn't have happened it wasn't supposed to happen but they were that talented and all that talent is coming back all that young talent is coming back can they get quarterback figured out it's either going to be Brandon Peters or Shea Patterson if he's eligible and you would think there is some sort of upgrade there and let's not forget how close they were to the playoffs two years ago. They were like inches away from the playoffs two years ago. So I think the like the the what is the phrase that Michigan's death has been greatly exaggerated or whatever. Like that's to me what what this is about. Like if this if it doesn't happen this year, then yeah, we're you know obviously maybe it's too late and you're, you're holding on to to bad stock. But I still think there's a possibility that this year. It was a really good year for Michigan, and and suddenly like the the Jim Harbaugh hype train returns in in full force. Um, there was a list of uh the top some some top prospects that Michigan had uh for official visits for the Ohio State game. Uh, Nick Nick Petit Ferrer and Jamar Chase were on the list but it was like seven prospects that were official visits for your biggest rivalry game. They were, you know, ones that Michigan was in on. And I think every single one of them signed elsewhere. Yeah. That's not a good, I mean, it's, and, and like, and I'm with you cause I'm, I am kind of on this. Michigan's going to be pretty like, I think that this season could be a good season for Michigan football, but, uh, I just, I, I think that when you're when you make a lot of noise in general and then there's gonna be a loud response. And I just I mean, remember how, how quickly things turned in, in San Francisco? Like we went from playing in the Super Bowl to just but like, busting at the seams. No, there's a burnout factor with Harbaugh. And I, yes. and, and, and I got to say, the burnout factor is probably part of my decision-making, as is my decision to buy Penn State. Okay. Yeah. Talk to me. I just, I, I think that when you, uh, when you get through that first cycle and then you just continue to, to do well on the recruiting trail, I'm, I, I don't know if, uh, I, I, you know, I just... I believe that this is going to be a program. I believe it's an offense that can continue to be explosive without Joe Moorhead. And I believe it's a program that's building out the kind of program depth depth to make a run at Ohio state every single year. And I think that the premier rivalry in the big 10 East is going to be Ohio state, Penn state with Michigan sort of being like, those games are still going to be awesome as they've always been like even in, you know, Brady Hoke years. But, but I think that in terms of, uh, the stakes and the the quality of team that we're looking at the the best two teams in that division for the next three to five years are going to be Ohio State and Penn State. With me thinking that uh, Michigan State takes a step back and Michigan takes a step back. Yeah, I will say like Penn State keeps on creeping up in the recruiting rankings, and it, and James Franklin, I think every year James Franklin figures out how to how to compete at this highest level even more so like like urban meyer's been doing this for like 20 years now basically like i don't know how long was he at florida how long has he been at ohio state like he's been doing this for 
for a while. His his Jane, first his first title was 06, so that was 12 years ago. Yeah. And and James Franklin is is in what like year 4 or something now at, right. at Penn State like Yeah, he's been a head coach for three additional years behind that at Vanderbilt, but like that's not that's a different world. Like this is he's just now learning how to do this and I think I think he's such like a self-evaluator that that they're going to keep getting better and I see the recruiting keep creeping up and that's going to help their depth and that's going to help their you know the the guys they trot out on the field. You know, it'll be interesting now, you know, there's a little bit of victim of their own success with uh you know Josh Gaddis going and taking a, a co-OC job at Alabama. Um uh you know Joe Moorhead getting a head job and taking uh, Charles Huff with them. So like there's all you know, they're get this is the first time I think in a while that there's been a lot of turnover now. Like the staff looks very different. And so, you know, but I still think, but I think the personnel, like, I just, I think that they've done a good enough job that the, the, the brand of athlete that you need to go toe to toe with Ohio state, like for Wisconsin, you're basically going contrast to styles. But if I think that the, I think that the athletes, um, on the Penn state roster, are like Penn State's roster when they get off the bus looks like a team that can go toe to toe with Ohio State. No, I agree. No, I I, I agree with the buy. I, I I think that that Penn State is just you just have so much confidence that they're going to keep on keep on rolling. I'll give you another another Big Ten buy, and it's a little bit of a buy high here. Nebraska. Well, yeah. I'll take some Nebraska stock. Yeah, always. <laughs> of course. Like, you know I'm on that train. But I'll, I'll, I'll also buy um, I'll buy Wisconsin, too. Ooh. Um, and, and like, in, in that sort of saying, like, I, I, I almost want to just go ahead and, like, and buy, like, an index fund on, uh, on the Big Ten West. You know? Like, I just right, I, like, I, what about Purdue? I've got Purdue on my consult with your advisor. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like the whole Big Ten West is like about to start just sort of being a better division. And Wisconsin, I, I, I get that. Like, okay, I'm saying I'll buy Wisconsin. Oh, well, nice one, man. Like, that you're telling us a lot. They, they're just won 12 games or whatever. But Wisconsin to me has been like Boise State. Like, everyone's like, oh, cute little team over there. But they're not really national title contenders because they don't play anybody out of conference, and the Big Ten West is garbage. And what you know, whatever. Like, yeah, Wisconsin's cute little story. But I think Wisconsin is about to turn the switch to being a national title contender, legitimately, for a couple reasons. One is, you know, they've got like Wisconsin football is built on the offensive line. And this offensive line is so loaded. They've got all these guys coming back. The guys behind them are really good, um, and they're just they're, they're they're about to just start turning on. They got a, a sophomore running back coming back. That's going to be a Heisman Trophy, you know, candidate if not finalist, if not a winner. Um, so, and then you know, quarterback. They've been recruiting pretty well there. All this stuff. So, and then on top of that, I do think Nebraska is going to help elevate that division. I think suddenly you're going to start having. Some, you know, Minnesota is going to be better. Uh, Iowa's always going to be solid. Purdue, as you mentioned, is going to be like, and so I think suddenly they're going to have to start having some decent wins on their resume. And I think Paul Chris is one of the best in the country. And I think Wisconsin makes it to the college football playoffs within the next two years. And I think they, you know, I, I, they're, they're getting closer to the point where they've got the talent 
to actually compete at that level. And by the way, their 2019 class is about to be absolutely stacked. And uh, for Wisconsin standards, like we're not used to seeing them recruit top 10 classes. This one will be a top 10 class, I think. And and I think that that's, that's just sort of plays into my, my, my trajectory there for the, for the Badgers. So does that mean that we sell Iowa stock? Maybe I was thinking about it. Like, where's just, you know, like you, like where's the room for them? Right. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Like I've never, I just feel like no, Iowa stocks, one of those that's just, it's always going to be sort of even steady Eddie. Just it'll, uh, yeah, they may, they may win six games. Then, then they'll win eight, then they'll win seven and they'll win nine and they may win six again. You know, sort of like, yeah, it's just going to be a, that's just sort of what, what could be what they are. Um, the, all right. I, I want to sell maybe not right now, but at least I think some point this season, I think I'm selling West Virginia stock. I think that with Will Greer and David Sills back with the, you know, all the experience and as explosive as that offense can be, I think that the value on West Virginia is going to get pretty high. And I don't know if it's, uh, I don't know if it's it's the kind of thing that can be sustained. I like that. And I also got you gotta wonder too, just like Alex Grinch getting, you know, the Ohio State come calling, you gotta wonder how long Tony Gibson's gonna gonna be there. And um, what happens when he leaves. Right, right. Really good D coordinator. Does he get a head coaching opportunity? Does he get you know, does he get the call at like an Alabama or you know, probably not in Alabama, but it's just sort of a one of the one of the real blue bloods come calling and say, "Hey, here's here's a million five. Can be our D coordinator." Um, that's I think that's that's on the horizon as well. So yes, I I, uh, I, I, I like you. I like that a little bit too. I think there's some there's some opportunity there to short it. And and I'll I'll give you another one. Um, I'm I'm selling on uh, I'm selling Louisville. Oh man. Ah, <laughs> uh, fair. Yeah, totally. I don't. Uh, Right? How like, much how much stock did you have? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, someone made some money on Louisville with the Lamar Jackson run. Uh, you know, they, it was it was I, I guess it kind of it kind of ran and then and then dipped late in the season both years a, a little bit, but um Brian Van Gorder defensive coordinator no. later hires uninspiring. Yes. That was after an uninspiring hire of of, of Peter Sermon last last cycle. Lamar Jackson is gone. Uh, I just wonder if uh, if Bobby Petrino's shtick has run a little, run a little thin, uh, and I just I, I, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like they're on the verge of anything right no. now. Well, it, it's very possible though that we could be in one of those positions where there's not the demand for Bobby Petrino, right? You know, where he just kind of ends up. That's his spot. Like, right. his, like these Louisville teams are just going to go seven and five, eight and four. They're going to have some dastardly offensive play calling and some like mind blowingly bad defensive breakdowns. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Like, do I you, mean, Brian Van Gorder's like was was just a bad defensive coordinator at at, at Notre Dame, and I just I don't understand like. To me, that's a late. Like I, I don't know. They probably have a relationship, uh, but that's oh, a late. Like, there's there's hot young and coming good coaches out there you can hire, and you go hire Brandon Gordon. Yeah, you know what their relationship is? 
I think he worked on Petrino's Falcons. Falcon staff. Yeah. 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 Great times too. That's a, yeah. That's good karma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I know that it's got a high price, but I'm hoping that it might've taken a dip because of the loss of the Heisman trophy winner, but I'm buying Oklahoma. I'm on it, brother. Give me some OU stock. Like I, uh, I, I look everywhere and I don't see any signs that this team is going to slow down. And and another just sort of recruiting element to this, I, I really, really like the defensive class that they just brought in. Awesome. Uh, and so they're – and as I look at o- – OU right now is one of those teams who is – who is like when you look at their class and if you sort of go like player by player – they're always a little better than you remember them. Like they're all like this point being like, I think this staff evaluates really well. Like they, they, you know, as, as you sort of compare their classes to others and, and, you know, you kind of look at some people's class, you're like, Oh man, that guy's overrated. Like we gotta get that fixed or we gotta, you know, this, this guy was overhyped, just, you know, got us ranking off a bunch of offers, et cetera, et cetera. When you look at OU's class, it's a bunch of guys that didn't necessarily have the height, but they, you feel like they're underrated. And so like, I think that that's a, that's a good indicator. You, you know, you look at what they brought in this year, Ronnie Perkins, Jalen Redmond, um, Ron Tatum, Michael Thompson, like a bunch of really, really good defensive linemen. And then the other factor here is the quarterback position. And you know, Lincoln Riley has got this quarter as this sort of a quarterback guru but he's got guys that are such good fits for his system kyler murray coming back this year um you know i really like the guy they brought in in this class uh tanner mordecai out of, out of waco texas uh they're just they just know what they're doing they know what they wanted they, they, they know what they're looking for they attack it they find it uh i just think the roster is going to be really talented and i'm i think lincoln riley is the real deal and i'm with you i'm i'm, I'm ready to Mike, steal a little bit of uh, value out of that one. The uh, uh, one of our, I was I was asked, you know, talking about Oklahoma, and I was like, man, uh, Marquise Brown was a sophomore this year. C.D. Lamb was a freshman. Rodney Anderson yeah. was a sophomore. Trey Sermon's a freshman. Like yeah. Kyler Murray, already an elite athletic talent, is stepping into a situation where he, like. He does have the playmaking potential to be one of those showstoppers, but I don't think he needs to be. He's just got to distribute and make the right decisions. No question. And I think that's the that's going to be the challenge from, from a coaching standpoint. Is like, as I what I remember him from Texas A and M was just this guy like who just sort of ran wild and just every play was sort of a, uh, a backyard break football. Where he just tried, yeah. yeah, just tried to backyard football it, and and they're going to need to. Over the last couple of years, you know, the, the hope is that he's learned to operate within the system. Uh, but if they can, you know, if they can get that out of him, then man, it's going to be uh, they're going to be fun to watch. Remember the name Jalen Redmond. Okay, defensive end out of Oklahoma City, just a freak, man. And I'm I, I think he's got a chance to be really good on that defensive line. Um, I've got uh, a couple more. What do you what, what do you have? Uh, that's, those are all my stock. Those are all my buys, my buy recommendations. There's a couple that I sort of flirted with selling. Uh, I'm kind of flirting with selling Kansas state. Mm, yeah. You know, writing they, on, they, writing on the wall kind of thing. 
Yeah, and Bill Snyder just like I don't know. It just it seems like there's some messiness on the horizon there. Yeah. Uh, and I think next year they kind of bring back everyone. Um, so I think next year they should be pretty good. But uh, I, I'm kind of thinking long term here. Just something something doesn't doesn't smell right there. Uh, I'm I'm tempted to buy BYU. Like I have I have, I have BYU as a sell, but I'm tempted to like buy expecting it to drop even further and then when they get a new coach you know the the, the price goes back up because I, I just I don't think Kalani Sataki is the answer um and then I you know I kind of flirted with selling Oklahoma State too I did I did but you know what it was uh I I don't see I looked at the rest of the market and even with Matt Campbell you know showing good signs at Iowa State you know if I'm selling West Virginia I'm not going to be buying Texas Tech. I'm not going to be buying Kansas State. I just think that even with an even with me expecting an Oklahoma State drop off, I still think Mike Gundy is a good enough coach, and that team has been good enough for long enough that even the drop off isn't going to like like they're not going to become a bottom half of the conference team. Right. That that's what held me up. Is just look, man. Mike Gundy is his. He's been beating the odds for long enough at Oklahoma State. Like why? Why well, think that just because OU and Texas are about to be good that he can't, uh, you know, that he can't keep it keep it running? Um, so I, I held off there. What was your reason for selling on Michigan State? Not that I disagree. I'm just kind of curious. Uh, I was looking at um, the recruiting rankings, kind of dropping off a little bit, and even knowing that some of the best players from their last couple classes have ended up getting kicked off the team. Right. I think the talent. I think I think Mark D'Antonio is still a great coach, and I think that this season was like a really good rally the troops season for the Spartans. But, um, and I I think I even made some you know bragging money between us trying trying to side with Sparty several times this season. But I I my eyes don't lie. That team was not a fantastic football team. Right. So I'm yeah. I'm kind I I kind of think that I kind of think that being a a really well coached you know not as talented maybe you know they do have good development but man especially as we're starting to talk about buying big 10 west um teams you know there's just the the easier wins are going to start evaporating i think that's true that's true yeah so I, I, yeah i don't i don't hate that one uh at all and and uh, you know obviously there's some there's some uh, off the field issues that they're going to have to, that Mark D'Antonio is going to have to deal with as well. Uh, we'll see if he can survive that. I don't, I, I, I don't really feel like I have any insight one way or the other on, on that, but, but certainly it's a, it's a distraction and the program's got some, you know, some negative energy lately. Um, so, we'll okay. See. So here's a, my last consult with your advisor because my thought is sell, but I don't have a good idea for the market value here. Florida state. Not uh, well. Yeah, I guess it depends on what the what the what the price is. That's what I'm saying. I, what what are we expecting from Florida State? Because I don't think that we're talking. I think that while there is a chance that we see a spark and we see some big wins and we see some you know instant energy, I think that when it comes to totaling win loss records, I think that it there will be. I'm predicting that there will be a learning curve before Florida State is able to wrestle that division away from Clemson and before they can wrestle the conference, not only away from Clemson, 
but away from Miami, which is a team that I've, I feel like I've just been riding a buy on that one for a while. Yeah, I, I, I would I would lean buy on Florida State, though, only because I think Willie Taggart was is the right fit there. They're going to recruit really well, in my opinion. Uh, and, and I think he's – I mean, look, when you still look at, like, you know, the team talent composite and, and what's actually on the roster and what they've recruited – Florida State's still loaded. Yeah. It, I mean, it's not like that. This I think this year was just a unique, fluky kind of year. All those games were close. It's sort of like, I mean, Notre Dame went 4-8 or whatever, and all those games were close, and then they went this year and, and you know, got added a couple new co- coaches that added some discipline defensively, and um, all of a sudden they win in those games. And so I think that could happen at Florida State very quickly too. Willie Taggart's got co- a quarterback room that's talented – uh, so I, I think Florida State's going to be back back on track pretty quickly. So all right, so I would say buy if anyone's trying to price me at a point where we're like below ten and two. But I I think that there is, I think that we are still, uh, and maybe and then maybe the answer is buy, and then you just you take your ten and two and you wait for the twelve and zero, which you figure is going to be coming eventually. Right, right, yeah. No, I I agree. Um. Okay. Yeah, and I and I'm a buy on Miami. I don't I don't see anyone. Uh, I thought about selling Virginia Tech, but I don't even know what the price is there. You know, I thought they had a pretty good recruiting class this year. They got I the like, they got the right guys. Yeah, exactly. And uh, not only that, but like, I mean, who's that I, linebacker from uh, Shelby? They got a yeah, really Dax, good one. Dax Hollyfield. Yeah, he was awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, no, they're, uh, and I, and I trust Justin Fuente. Uh, I just, you know, soft spoken, but gets the job done. I, I, I trust, I trust a coach like that. Um, word. Uh, all right. Well, I hope that we've, uh, we've given out a good, a good collection of s- stock tips to carry Man, into w- the off season. I wish we could make some real money on this thing, dude. I, it's called over under win totals. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. This, year I'm, this year I'm putting real money out there. Um, yeah. And, and you know that we'll be hitting those. That was, uh, that was how we got started. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at chip underscore Patterson. Uh, Barton, this is great. Uh, good stuff. Uh, we will link back very soon. Um, you know, catch up because we got spring practice. Uh, Duke's already in spring practice. I know couple teams are already getting after it but you know as those storylines start to creep out we'll be uh, we'll be here giving you all the insights that you need to know Martin thank you very much all right man